0: We don't often get to see the sanctuary choir in animal print. <laughs> they bring us the circle of life today, uh, enjoying that spirit of Broadway visiting us again on this second of two Sundays, where we celebrate music in this special way because of the review. So we hope you're enjoying it like this little Broadway guy is enjoying the music. Um, This week on Tuesday at choir practice as the Sanctuary Choir was learning this number and finishing rehearsing it and getting it to where they'd be ready for this day, right at the end, Mark Brown was leading the rehearsal and at the end of the completion of the song, it was ready in the moment that the music ended on that last beat. Uh, Mark's phone went off vibrating uh, with a message from Stephen Shannon, our choir director, who wasn't able to be here today, letting us know that his sister had died. And in that moment of feeling so full from the music and the song and getting the text that said, my sister has died, uh, Mark Brown just collapsed in tears. Just collapsed. You know, sometimes that scares us. Someone's collapsed in tears. What do we do? Can we fix it somehow? Can I avoid it and not see it? Maybe if I give you a Kleenex, you'll stop. You know, and sometimes all it is is tears that need to be shed. The moment we stop those tears, we stop joy as well. The moment we stop feeling any of our feelings, we blunt them all. So if we want to let go of the tears, we have to get ready to let go of singing, joyful, joyful. You know, we just have to keep pushing so that we can feel all those extremes. And even if people might feel uncomfortable around those emotions, we have to be true to ourselves and feel them anyway. Even the uncomfortable ones, anger, sadness, even the uncomfortable ones. So they let him cry. And brought to healing that, that, that hope for Stephen and his sister. And all of us who in this circle of life find grief visit our door. Find hardship visit us. Find the difficulties of life come right in the middle of some of the joys of life. You know that song. Another song from Lion King I Love is Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Y'all know that one? Can you feel the love? You could not have been in this sanctuary last week without feeling the love. If you were here for the wedding at 2 o'clock, 40-plus couples got married right here, said, I do. And then they brought their marriage licenses right over there, and Reverend Michael, Reverend Vicky, and I signed them to make it legal. And you know, every single uh, news station in town was here. 13, 11, 2, 39, 26, Univision all had their cameras set up recording this historical moment. The Chronicle did a nice spread on it, and they all got it right. Isn't that miraculous? <laughs> they all got it right. A minor miracle in itself, but, you know, could you feel the love in the room? And I want to share one of those with you this, this morning. I believe it's from Channel 13. See what this young reporter had to say.
1: Dozens of same-sex couples legally
2: married in a mass ceremony right here in Houston. I News reporter Tracy Clemens joins us live at the church which hosted the ceremony. Tracy? Hey, guys. They called this Texas's big legal wedding. Forty couples right here at the altar of of Resurrection Metropolitan Community Church took their vows in front of a standing room only crowd of family and friends. I want to get you to that video now. These couples were all smiles after saying I do. We spoke with couples who have <laughs> been together for more than 30 years and one couple that got married today after dating for just four months. The church has done these mass ceremonies since the 1960s, but they tell me it was always in protest to same-sex marriage not being legal. This was the first year the clergy here performed a legal wedding and were actually able to sign the marriage licenses afterward. Just about every couple said that they never thought they'd see the day it would be legal for them to tie the knot in Texas.
3: It's a great day. We're celebrating, and it's just been a long time <laughs> waiting for this to happen. It's finally here. i could going be happier.
0: So this is, for us, a renewal of our vows because we made our commitment to each other 28 and a half years ago, and and we're still sticking with it and we've been together at the end of this month will be 31 years.
3: Well, my marrying her has nothing to do with anybody else. It's just me and her. And it's me and her and God.
2: Now, that last woman, you just heard from right there. Shirley Pettis plans to marry her partner, Sandy, in January on the 25th anniversary of their relationship. Now, whatever your opinion or your stance is on same-sex marriage or the Supreme Court's decision to legalize it nationwide, it was impossible to deny the love that was in this building today. For a while the house, Thirteen eyewitness news.
0: So now we know that that story and others from Houston affiliates have been aired in the Carolinas to Hawaii. So beyond Houston, people are getting that same message of God's love for all God's children, children of different gender identities and sexual orientation that's gone across the U.S. And one of our staff, Mark Eggleston said, my parents could see it in McAllen, Texas. I grew up in McAllen, Texas. They showed it on the news in McAllen, Texas. Can you believe it? Oh, goodness. And don't you love what the reporter said? You had to be able to feel the love. You know, that kind of compassion and connection where you see it and you experience something you haven't experienced before, and it makes you rethink what's possible. It makes you rethink maybe what you've been taught. It makes people kind of wonder what is next. And the two, the young couple that was standing with Dr. Diaz in the video, they talked to reporters and they said, "Well, what's next for you?" And the shorter two of the two said, "We're gonna buy a house and adopt a kid." <laughs> they had barely made it to the service because they left their ID in Webster, and they came running in right at the last, right at the last minute. But we celebrate with excitement, with joy, this love at the same time recognizing that all of life brings these emotions to us, the highs and the lows, the tears and the joyful, joyful celebration and singing all together wrapped up. And we want to experience it all. We want to experience what God has for us in this world, not mute it, not numb it, not keep it at bay, but in order to let it into our lives fully, fully, fully. And so today we get this wonderful story in our scripture of Jesus and some healings. We get the story that is actually unique uh, for Mark, because Mark usually doesn't write too long. And here we've got a story within a story that Mark's telling of Jesus and some healings, this circle that's going around of a 12-year-old girl and of a woman who's had a flow of blood for 12 years. And in both of these stories, it's just wrapped in together. So I wonder what Mark is, means by putting them within one another. At the beginning, Jesus is approached by an elder statesman of the synagogue, someone with power, and says, you know, my daughter is so sick, I need you to come help me. Come by my house. And Jesus says, okay, I'll come by your house. We will, we will heal your daughter. And Jesus heads on the way, heads on the way to do that, and as he's going to heal the young 12-year-old girl, Jesus is interrupted. The crowds are pushing against him, and as he's trying to get to this place he's committed to be where he's going to, he gets interrupted by someone who touches him, hasn't even seen the person yet, just feels it, feels it that something has happened that he wants to note, something that he wants to pay attention to. And so in that moment, he says, "What? "'Who did this? "'Who touched me?' And the disciples think Jesus has gone mad again because they thought that often of him. We think that of prophets that they go mad, you know, until we realize they're telling the truth. Something's happened. You know, I felt some power. And in that moment, the woman comes forward because, you see, she would thought she could just be invisible because that's how she'd been her life. She had had a flow of blood for 12 years, which meant she couldn't touch anyone and no one could touch her. Because the book of Leviticus said that if a woman had a flow of blood, that they were unclean, and that to touch them made you unclean too. And so Jesus touching her supposedly is made unclean and should just not touch anyone else or do anything till sunset. He's over for the day, just because she touched him. But I don't know if you've ever tried to be one of those people that no one can see you. You know you need healing? You know you're hurting. You know you would do anything for just that little touch that could bring you hope. So here she is. Maybe I can do it and slip away and nobody will notice. I've tried everything. I've spent all my money. I've gone to all the doctors. You know, sometimes when you do all of that and there's still no cure, they start to blame you when they can't find out what's wrong. So here she is, last chance. I'm going to go into this healer that I've heard about. Sneaks up, touches the robe, feels and experiences the healing. So when Jesus says, some power has just happened, she fesses up. No longer invisible, answers Jesus saying, it was me. And Jesus says this remarkable thing to this person who doesn't count, who's been untouchable for the last 12 years of her life. Jesus says, you did it. Your faith, reaching out just for the touch. You did it. She's there ready to thank Jesus, and Jesus says, you did it. You brought that power to be. You brought that healing. Your faith made it so. What does it mean to have been felt invisible? Not able to be seen. To all of a sudden have the healer reach down and tell you, you did it. All in your reaching for what you needed. Oh, goodness, how many of you are just waiting for that touch? Maybe you've stopped reaching. This story tells us to keep reaching even when every other sign in the world says it's not going to happen. Keep reaching, keep trying. Jesus will respond and say, you did it. You did it. And then something interesting. Rise up and be healed. Rise up and be healed. Go your own way now. Fully, wholly, completely who God made you to be. Be healed. Are you ready for that kind of action in your life? Because when you reach for the hem of a garment with this thought that maybe this little thing will happen to me, you might get overwhelmed when Jesus sees you and says, You did this. Rise, be healed. Oh, goodness. So here we are in a culture where Jesus is now contaminated, right? Because this woman's blood is contaminated. I want to share with you from one of our pastors in Florida, Darrell Watkins, has this wonderful sassy quote. He's sassier than I am. So I'm going to read his words to you as we do this about this phrase. He starts starts, uh, with the words, they're coming up right now, and P.S., how is it that the blood of a man and even the blood of animals have even have been viewed as redemptive? P.S., How is it that the blood of men and animals are redemptive, but but the blood of a woman is contaminating? How is it? How is it? Then he goes on to say the sexism as well as the violence of atonement theologies ought to be challenged. And if Jesus were here now, he has no doubt that Jesus would challenge them because Jesus chose love over condemnation. So, in this same way, Jesus did what he wasn't supposed to do. He should have gone home and shut himself up. But he went on to the official's house. You know, went on to that house to do the healing there. And I want you to notice what happened. He was on his way to a fairly wealthy rich person's house to heal their child when someone of no account needed attention and care. Someone who hadn't mattered in the world needed to have some healing. And Jesus got interrupted from a good mission, from a good purpose, in order to stop and heal this need, this person here, and then went on to the official's house. You know, the official might have given him a bigger donation for the collection plate. You know? Perhaps if he showed up earlier or gave him first place, the official might even do more. But he stopped with the interruption, stayed with the person in need, and then went on to the next healing when he wasn't supposed to. He broke the rules to do so, to heal after being touched like that. Well, goodness, Jesus, what have you got for us in this? He says, she's not dead. Get up. She gets up. They're so astonished, he has to tell them, well, now go feed her. Right? Get her some food. She needs it. But I want to know what Mark's doing in this story. That's picked up by Matthew and picked up by Luke in the Gospels. We got a 12-year-old girl and we've got a woman with a 12-year flow of blood. And I wonder if what Mark's trying to tell us is all this superstition about blood that gives life and birth is to be discarded. All of this energy around contamination and cleanliness is supposed to just go away. Perhaps this 12-year-old on the edge of womanhood herself and this adult woman are the signs that we are not supposed to treat people that way anymore. Perhaps he's got them just wrapped up together so that we can get it and pay attention. Oh, Jesus, maybe I can see. Maybe I can try and learn from you. That circle of life, young to old, that the blood is not contaminating. All God's children are good. Don't call unclean that which I have called clean. We, as a people, know what it's like to bleed. We know what it's like to have lost a generation of our folks to HIV and AIDS. We know what it's like to lose partners, to lose family. We know what it's like to have those experiences in life. And to stay with them and to feel them and to merge to the place where we understand a joy deeper than any joy possible without them. We hang on for that healing. We hang on for Jesus to say, okay, get up now. Your faith has made you well. Get up and be healed. We know what it's like to hurt in those ways. We grieve when we see the transgender day of remembrance. When we see the violence and the brutality it still happens now. We grieve and we long for healing for all of God's children. We celebrate. We celebrate that a Confederate flag came down this week. We celebrate. We long for the day where it doesn't take nine dead persons to have something that's a symbol of hate removed. And I want to tell you the story of how that flag got there In 1961, at the beginning of all of the civil rights movement, there was a group of people who were sitting at a counter and were arrested because they were told they should not be there. They were put in jail and this time, instead of posting bail, nine of them refused to post bail, thereby putting the cost of their incarceration onto the system and letting the system pay the brunt of what it was because of their actions of intolerance. They're called the Friendship Nine. So while the Friendship Nine were refusing bail in jail, the State House passed the law that raised the Confederate flag to its place. So when people say that flag had nothing to do with hate, know why it got put up in the first place. It got put up because the Friendship Nine were sitting there in jail, refusing to pay bail and demanding equality. Oh, God, can we look for justice without such a high cost? Can we find healing without lives being at stake in such a way as it was at Mother Emmanuel? Oh, please help us. Even in our celebrations, these things remind us of the work that's still yet to come. At the wedding last week, we had one couple, Mary and uh, Lisa, Mary Perez and Lisa Johnson, who were nine months and a few days pregnant. You know what that's like, any of you? I can only imagine. Nine months and a few days pregnant. And so before the mass wedding began, they figured they couldn't hang on because the contractions were coming five minutes apart. And that maybe they should go to the hospital. And we agreed with them that maybe that, that would be a good idea. And so Reverend Vicky said, come over here right now. We'll do the service right now. So they did it with them really fast. And then they came by to say goodbye to me. So I got to put my little hands on the swollen belly and bless the baby and the delivery. And they took off uh, to get a newborn healthily in their lives. And as they did that... They celebrated the birth of Dylan Wesley, our newest family member. When I talked to them this morning, they were very sleep deprived already. (laughs) And apologized for not being here today, and I said, no worries, you know, take care of yourself and Dylan. And they had shared the story with us at the, at the birth at Texas Children's Hospital that um, they couldn't get both their names on the birth certificate. They had their license there with them signed and the hospital wouldn't put both moms' names down. So do we still have a ways to go? We celebrate the weddings, We celebrate the joy. We celebrate the new birth. And no, still we have a ways to go. And not just for ourselves, but for the world. I was on a radio show this week, KJOZ, uh, with a couple of leaders from the NAACP. They invited me to come and talk about what gay marriage meant and equality meant now, and how they're supposed to address that in their churches and homes and families. And as part of the conversation, which was, was very good, robust conversation, they, they looked at me, this uh, one leader, Carmen, and she looked at me, and I could hear it going through her head you know, before she said it. She said, okay, we're inviting you in, and we're doing this with you. And, she's, and she, in her head, it was saying, okay, you little white gay boy. Okay, you little white gay boy was going she didn't say it out loud, but I could see it. I could see it before she before she asked the question. She said, So when we need you, are you gonna show up? We've invited you into our home. When we need you, are you gonna show up? And I said, Yes, I am. And the question for all of us today is when we are needed, are we gonna show up? When it takes two moms some help to get their names on the marriage license, when it takes a group of people who've been struggling for hundreds of years to have equality to get a better taste of it, are we gonna show up? I believe this day, Jesus in these healing stories is saying, Reach for the hem of the garment. Healing is possible. I am here. Just reach, imagine it, show up. Goodness, did you hear the commands? Get up, eat, rise, be healed. Rise, be healed. Are we going to stand up, rise, be healed, show up? Jesus commands us. In the name of God, amen.
4: the wayside, and some of us soar to the stars, and some of us sail through our troubles, and some of us live with the scars, there's far too much to take in here. More to find than can ever be found. But the sun rolling high through the sapphire sky keeps great and small on an endless way.
3: It's a great day to be in the house of God, isn't it? Amen. Amen. Uh, My name is Terry Talley, and today I want to share with you the reasons that I and my wonderful partner, Mojo, give our time, our energy, and our resources to Resurrection MCC. We support the worship services, spiritual growth offerings, social justice actions, and special events of RMCC. And it's because all of these experiences and activities bring to life this church's mission, which is to demonstrate God's unconditional love to all people with Christ-like action. And because of its vision, which is to boldly experience, engage, and embody our faith to transform ourselves and the world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. After many years of struggling with the conflict between my spirituality and my sexuality, and spiraling down to one of the most dark moments and places in my life, I went to a pride parade. And that's where I saw the people of resurrection proclaiming that unconditional love of God. And I received a brochure about the church, stuffed in a koozie that had Resurrection, or Metropolitan Church of the Resurrection at the time, printed on it. I proceeded to take that brochure out of the koozie, stuff it in my blue jeans pocket, and put my ice cold beer in that koozie. (laughs) and kept on partying while I listened to the choir sing down the road. <laughs> now, I didn't come to resurrection right away. It took me uh, a couple more years before I got here. But in January of 1997, I attended my first service and it is with the open arms of the people. And one of them being Reverend Vicky was one of the first people I met when I walked in the door and she embraced me and loved on me right from the start. It's because of the people of resurrection and the open communion table that I, for the first time, truly experienced God's unconditional love. This spiritual transformation, it continually inspires me and inspires me today. It inspires me to offer all that I am and all that God has given to me to ensure that the legacy of this church resurrection continues so that all who come in those doors or out in our community who are searching can find God's unconditional love and an open table that welcomes them. Most recently, one of the projects I've worked on with Resurrection, giving my time and resources, is to the Broadway Review Committee, along with Mark Brown, Van English, David McGurk, Stephen Shannon, and Gene Ruppel. At the beginning of each meeting, I was so touched and blessed by leadership that would start every meeting, at first once a month, and then once a week, and as it gets closer to the event, more often than that. Mark would open our meetings with a prayer, asking God to help us keep our minds and our hearts open to do God's work, which was at hand. And I believe God honored those prayers. God provided us with peace and grace with each other and the energy to get through what we needed to do to complete that process. God sent wonderful people to us, choreographers, directors like Rudy, who uh, did some of the most beautiful numbers and arranged them. God put the right people in the right places to help us all the way down, even through last night we saw that working in the event. So in closing, I would like to invite you to take part in continuing Resurrection's legacy of ministry, spiritual transformation, and social justice by supporting all of Resurrection's fundraisers, especially the one this afternoon, when we will present the Broadway (laughs) Review one more time at 3 o'clock at the cost of $15. Last night, with the help of amazing performers, and I had the most awesome group of volunteers. And with our generous donors, almost 250 people enjoyed an evening of Broadway musical performances. So come back this afternoon. We're not going to serve a meal. So I advise you to go out and have a nice midday meal. Come back at 3 o'clock and enjoy the show with us. And in a, little, in a few moments, you will hear one of the numbers from the Broadway Review, and that's a little taste of a great big show. Thank you all for your support of Resurrection.
1: Hang on just one moment, Siri. <laughs> I'd like to ask the planning team for the Broadway Review to please rise and, and director Rudy, <laughs> I'd like to thank them for their hard work. I'd also like to ask everyone who have performed last night or was a volunteer to please rise. There were over, I would say, 50 to 60 people who are a part of the Broadway Review. It is a fantastic show. I encourage you to please come back this afternoon if you were not there last night to enjoy this show. They put in a lot of hard work, so please come and support them this afternoon. I'm going to shift Our focus just a tiny bit because I I, I have to touch on what Reverend Choi shared with us. Will we show up for other people? He he threw a challenge out there to us. He was paraphrasing, I believe, Isaiah 58 12 when he's saying to us, it has to be you, resurrection who will rebuild the ancient ruins. It has to be you, resurrection, to raise foundations from ages past. It has to be you, resurrection, who will be repairers of broken walls. It has to be you, resurrection, who will be restorers of streets to live in. I want to pause and remember not only the friendship nine, but the Charleston massacred nine, because it's part of a circle. And if we forget to remember, history will indeed repeat itself. So I ask, will you hold in prayer for me the families of these nine? Cynthia Marie Graham Hurd, 54. Susie Jackson, 87. Ethel Lee Lance, 70. DePain Middleton Doctor, 49. Tawanza Sanders, 26. Daniel Simmons, 74. Sharonda Coleman Singleton, 45. And Myra Thompson, 59. These are the people who were part of getting that flag, that Confederate battle flag, to come down also like to ask us to hold our siblings in faith who lost their facilities to arson or as some are saying to lightning but it's amazing that in such a short period of time eight churches eight african-american churches were torched So will you hold with me our siblings in faith, College Hill Seventh Day Adventist in Knoxville, Tennessee, burned on on June 21st. God's Power Church of Christ in Macon, Georgia, June 23rd. Briar Creek Road Baptist Church, Charlotte, North Carolina, June 24th. Fruitland Presbyterian Church, in Gibson County, Tennessee, June 24th. Greater Miracle Temple, Tallahassee, Florida, June 26th. Glover Grove Baptist Church in Warrenville, South Carolina, June 26th. Greater Miracle Apostolic Holiness Church, Tallahassee, Florida, June 26th and Mount Zion, AME, Greeleyville, South Carolina, June 30th. As you prepare to give today, it is giving to justice. It is giving to justice work so that we can actually show up when we are needed so that we can be a people of faith who will always offer God's love. Good and gracious God who loves and delights in all people we stand in awe of before you, knowing that the spark of life within each person on earth is the spark of your divine life. Differences among cultures and races are simply the multicolored manifestations of your light. May our hearts and minds be open to celebrate similarities and differences among our siblings. We place our hopes for racial harmony in our committed action and in your presence in our neighbor. May all peoples live in peace in the name of all that is holy and sacred. We offer these gifts. Amen.
5: Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only priest the lightning. I'll have me overhead lifters and four barrel quads. Oh yeah. A fuel injection cut off and crow plated rods, oh yeah the four speed on the floor they'll be waiting at the door you know without a doubt i'll be really making out in grease the lightning
4: go grease
5: lightning you're burning past that quarter mile. grease lightning go grease lightning go grease lightning you're coasting through that heat left trial grease lightning go grease lightning you are a dream the chicks dream of grease the lightning I'll have me French taillights and 30 inch fins, oh yeah. Alamino dashboard and dual muffler twins, oh yeah. Ooh, 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 With new pistons, plugs and shocks, she will hit the super stocks. You know that I am bragging, she's a real dragon wagon. Grease lightning. Go grease lightning, you're burning past that quarter of my sliding Go grease lightning, you're through that heat lab trial. Go grease lightning, go grease lightning. You are a dream, uh-huh. the chicks will dream, uh-huh. of grease
4: lightning. Go, 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 go.
5: Reast, lightning, stories, lightning. You are a dream, uh-huh. the chicks will dream, uh-huh. a of Grease the lightning. Lightning. lightning, lightning,
4: lightning, lightning, oh!
5: Come see us at 3 o'clock in the activities building for more.
1: that you will enjoy this afternoon. Will you pray with me, please? Gracious God, as we offer these gifts, we ask that you multiply them.